and welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter. But we're a little bit biased. And your host, Brian Sanders, you can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. You can follow the podcast that is on Twitter at HEFPod, facebook.com slash HEFPod is where you can find all the latest Eintracht news and information, all in the English language, all in one convenient location. You can also get in touch with the program, that is Frankfurt at gmail.com. So, um, doing this a uh, bit solo, uh, as we have a middle-of-the-week match against Augsburg, the English week's have returned for one last go-around, and here we are, Eintracht versus uh, Gladbach at the weekend. So, uh, as you will find out in the rest of the podcast, there's actually a nice little uh, interview that we did with Armin Kratz, a former brother Eintracht, former head of the academy, now working on special projects uh, abroad, specifically in the United States. So uh, that will uh, round out this episode. So looking at Eintracht versus Gladbach, we were really optimistic when Alastindel was not going to be in the lineup, uh, that uh, their goalkeeper was out because of suspension. Pretty optimistic. Well, things didn't go off the way that we wanted them to, now did they? Um Eintracht uh, went out and lost 4-0 to Borussia Mönchengladbach, the future employers of Adi Hütter. Though, maybe Bayern does come in, gives uh, Eintracht the same exit fee uh, price as 7.5 million euros, and tells Adi Hütter, you know what, right, rip up your contract with Borussia Mönchengladbach and just come to Bayern. You know, they've done that already once before. Uh, with a coach, uh, Niko Kovac, so we'll see. Well, we will see. Uh, the lineup that came out, uh, you had KT in goal, uh, Indica in Sankarantuta, uh, rounding out the central defensive three on the left. You had Kostic on the right, you had Durm in the middle, you had Rolda, Kamada, and so Kamada being more advanced, playing behind Jovic and Silva uh, in a in a lineup that was rather, rather uh, unchanged uh, since the last match. So the Eintracht thought, hey, you know what? We can make something out of this. But it didn't exactly turn out our way. So you had uh, the corner in the 10th minute by Jonas Hoffman uh, to get him onto the head of Matthias Ginter. Then Jonas Hoffman scored himself. Uh, I mean, look, the set pieces uh, just bit us right back in the butt. So the second goal from Mönchengladbach, um, that was a, a corner kick that was uh, headed away briefly. They took it right back, right down our throats. Neuhaus put it into... Uh, Neuhaus got it to Hoffman, and Hoffman teed himself up from an acute corner and got in it squeaked right underneath Kevin Trapp. People will attribute uh, that goal to more of an error uh, for Kevin Trapp than anything else. Because was it saveable? Uh, yeah, it was. Um, 
Yeah, so after the second goal, soon afterwards, we had uh, the usual glut of, um, of uh, substitutions from Adi Hutter, Hasebe for Ilsankar, Chandler for uh, Durham, and Eunice for Rolda. Things really didn't change all that much. Um, third goal was a, a header went off the crossbar and then went right to the guy who then uh, headed the ball right in. I mean, it was just so stupidly uh, well-placed that uh, it went directly to that player and he just put it in the back of the net. I mean, KT had no chance uh, considering he was just trying to react to a second header going right at him in, you know, a matter of few moments. And uh, that one in the 94th minute to kind of round out everything. Uh, I'm bored to see him talk about this match, to be fun, to be fairly honest. Um, when it comes down to with the way that Eintracht came out, there was no heart, there was no soul. Um, no one really kind of took the game by the scruff of the neck for the Eintracht to really kind of give us any any belief that this match was going to be anything but what it was. You know, the first half, we had a, one or two opportunities from Eintracht to be able to uh, kind of make a push against uh, Gladbach. But, look, she was poor, really poor. We, can, we also were just giving the ball away, just a number of individual mistakes. And, you know, Gladbach was exceptionally ruthless when it came to um, their attack. So, at the end of the day, uh, Eintracht got what they got. Um, sure, there, the number of shots were there, but it really didn't matter, folks. Um, at the end of the day, uh, Eintracht just wasn't up to it. And uh, here we are, uh, now sitting in the Bundesliga in a kind of precarious situation. Um, we were helped out in some ways by results elsewhere, which I will now kind of go over. So uh, Bayern Munich defeated Wolfsburg. Not very convincingly, but hey, the job was done. Uh, so that's all that technically matters. So um, their defeat means that it's still just one point that separates Eintracht from Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg has got week, which we don't have as tricky as uh, some people would say. No, it's still, everything is tricky at this point, but I would rather say that uh, Stuttgart is more of a tricky adversary than uh, than Augsburg, that Eintracht has, uh, because Stuttgart, they'll still look at the table and say, you know what, with a couple of results going our way, and Leipzig or Dortmund winning the Pokal, then that means that seventh place will become uh, the final uh, UEFA competition slot for the Bundesliga. So, what I'm really looking at right now is an Augsburg team who looked pretty lifeless against Bielefeld uh, at the weekend, and uh, I'm look, I'm still optimistic. Uh, Dortmund, in case anyone was wondering, so. They kind of fell behind to buy to Bremen, excuse me, uh, early, and then just pumped him for four. <laughs> so we know that they're headed our way. 
They're out of the Champions League, so if they ain't got anything that's going to be bugging them there, um, it's going to be it's going to be a real tight finish, folks. Um, qualification to the Champions League is really going to be a difficult one, but I think that it is something that we can still accomplish. Uh, Borussia Dortmund uh, midweek will be facing off against Union Berlin. Last time they did that, I do uh, that was. Uh, 2-0, 2-1 victory uh, for Union, who scored exclusively from set pieces. So um, it's something that I think we should be able to uh, count on to be able to bail our butts out. And in the meantime, um, the let's be real, the only other team who could would just, I, I mean, realistically catch us then after Dortmund, is uh, Leverkusen, who uh, were winners against Cologne uh, this weekend. It was a 3-0 victory there, but they have Bayern Munich to play in Munich, and I'm just saying, uh, I really, really, really don't see Bayern dropping points to Leverkusen. So I think that uh, we'll have a good that we're in a good spot to be able to gain points off the people who are chasing us. And, you know, Wolfsburg still has, they still, excuse me, they already played Bayern. They still have Leipzig and Dortmund uh, left. So that's a high likelihood that they're going to be dropping points. That means that we can still, still get to this uh, elusive third place spot, which will not only guarantee Champions League, what will make us feel a little better uh, when we look back at this season, uh, as the years go by, third place finish looks even better than a fourth place finish. Just it is what it is. Um, some things to take away from this match: um, Jovic and uh, Kostic connection that uh, nearly ended in a goal was quite nice. There's just a. I would like to see Eunice be subbed on earlier when you realize that uh, the attack's not working. Granted, we kind of opened ourselves up for that. that. Uh, Gladbach had many opportunities, but the thing is, against an Augsburg, we're going to be presented with fewer opportunities to score, but the beneficial side is that uh, when it comes to Augsburg, their offense is quite paltry. in terms of overall goals scored, um, they're still under 30. Yeah, under 30. The teams who are under 30 are as follows. Augsburg, BFL, who's in 15th. Augsburg's in 11th. And you, then you have to go down to Cologne, 27. They're in 17th. And then Schalke hasn't even scored 20. Their goal. <laughs> In case anyone's curious, the goal... the Goal difference uh, is negative 57 for Schalke. So, sums it up all right there. Augsburg is the uh, highest placed team that has a negative goal difference. They, uh, Despite being in 11th place, they are negative 13. So, you know, it, they're relatively sturdy when it comes to defense. So, we'll have to be, you know, Back to our best. And remember, when we play Gladbach to that uh, 3-3 crazy match, it was the Augsburg match that started setting things back in back.
Right. Because we were then able to go on this absolutely crazy run that analysis is uh, currently after 29 matches played, you know, in the Champions League, which you know, was a possibility really just because uh, without playing in Europe, fewer matches, you can focus on the one match for a week aspect, which is able to help uh, our guys out because they just look kind of gassed by the end of each of the seasons. So if you think about it from this standpoint, Eintracht is in uh, about as good a position as we could have asked for. Um, if you had uh, mentioned this uh, during preseason, I think everyone would have jumped on this uh, very readily. So, anywho's, uh, we'll kind of preview. I'll kind of give you my preview and predictions for the Eintracht match in a moment. But we did have a win for that Eintracht at the weekend. So Eintracht Frauen had a nice game uh, at the weekend. They went up against a relegation threatened SC Sand, pumped them for four goals. So, uh, currently still sitting in sixth place. Tied uh, for sixth place uh, with uh, two other teams who are all on 24. Uh, we still have our one match at hand, so that can come in quite uh, well. Uh, we still have to play Essen, so Fingers crossed that uh, when that does come around, that we'll be able to get the right result that we need going forward. Um, the table still looks a little weird, or the fact that uh, the team immediately above Eintracht is a team that's in the negative goal difference. Uh, Eintracht with a positive 15. It is kind of rough to see that the Eintracht's not even in the chase for the European places, whilst, you know, the teams that kind of are on the outside looking in, you know, fourth place took my Potsdam is on 37 points and only a pot, uh, plus three goal difference. And then once you get to the Champions League level teams of Hoffenheim, uh, uh, they're on a uh, 28, but you know, Hoffenheim shucks. They're still 12 points behind Wolfsburg and even 14 points behind Bayern. So, um, it's kind of a interesting time for the women. We remember we have qualified for the Pokal final, and at this point, it's really to me about uh, finishing strong, um, with the goal of having the team be in the best form, and the lead up to the Pokal. Um, in the women's game, the Pokal does not give you a position into Europe, so which is to me, I think that's a little bit of. But, you know, as the women's game is only now expanding their own Champions League for the next season, um, I think that this team, considering their extreme young age, uh, this team has got a lot still going for it and is, you know, with the right one or two, you know, moves in the offseason, you know, maybe one or two upgrades, uh, we'll, you know, see maybe an even better team. Uh, come for the 2021-2022 uh, season, perhaps uh, uh, UEFA qualification. And uh, then, you know, we'll see what happens there. But uh, key provider, uh, key player at the weekend was Laura Freigang, who got another hat trick. That girl, when she gets going, she really is firing at all cylinders. Uh, she did pretty well also uh, playing for the the women's national team. So girls got a uh, girls got scoring boots and we just need to 
kind of utilize her. She had been kind of suffocated for a while. Uh, we weren't really getting much out of her. But you know what? This is the kind of result that hopefully will bring more positive results uh, coming up down the line. So um, that being said, uh, let's take a look at ways that you can watch the match this weekend, uh, this midweek. So we will be uh, trying to come out with another with another episode um, after the Augsburg match. So as to preview uh, our match at the weekend, which of course is going to be uh, Eintracht facing up against Leverkusen, where we will be in the top spiel uh, uh, slot for uh, broadcast. Um, we on this Tuesday uh, that the Eintracht faces Augsburg, uh, we're the 1.30 kickoff, and uh, it's going to be uh, ESPN Plus in the United States, uh, the Caribbean region, that's uh, flowsports.co, the Flow Sports app, BN Sports Connect and KO Sports for Australia, uh, Austria, Germany, and uh, Switzerland, that's Sky Sports Bundesliga, that will be able to provide you with uh, access to that. Uh, in Canada, France to the North, uh, Whereas I'm recording this in, um, in the cover of uh, my home in middle America, in the United States of America. It's going to be Sportsnet World Now and Sportsnet Now for our friends in Canada. Uh, BT Sport 3 will be showing uh, the match in Ireland and the United Kingdom. Uh, BN Sports Connect New Zealand will provide for our Kiwi friends. So, all right. So I kind of said that... Uh, I would look at uh, Eintracht versus Augsburg. Give us a little rundown uh, prediction for myself before we uh, give it to uh, our interview uh, segment that will be that's going to be in uh, segment two. So Eintracht versus Augsburg on the twentieth. I'm kind of thinking now uh, with the way that they, as long as we are shutting down the cattle jury. And Andre Hahn, that really kicked, uh, from a defensive point of view, I should stipulate, if we're shutting down Hahn, if we're shutting down Kellagery, not going to lie, these guys really are, I mean, they are suited to the Augsburg way, the Augsburg style, guys who were thought to not be good enough at a Schalke or at a Gladbach. You know what? They moved on, and they're seen as more than good enough for an Augsburg. So I'm a little uh opt I'm a little optimistic uh, for this match against these guys. I think what that what we really need is uh Hinteregger. He's still in doubt, so kinda can't can only do like so many so many guesses on this. Um but I honestly think that we're gonna be running out with the same sort of formation. I don't think that they're going to really uh, deviate too much from it. And here's why. I think that Hutter has found the team that kind of usually he's able to get the best out of, and if it means that he has few, the fewest amount of complications in the lead-up to this match, why not try and keep it simple? Just saying. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I'm trying uh, 20 points ahead of these guys. We should be thinking that this is a straightforward and simple, but unless we get a goal in the first half, I think things are going to get quite nervy. I think it's going to be nervy the entire way. Um, probably 
thinking that Dyntrack will be able to make sure defensively that we're safe and sound. But I think that uh, when it comes to playing against Augsburg, you can't count on anything. So I'm going out on a limb and expecting that the Eintracht will put two goals away, uh, kind of like I predicted last week. Uh, but that didn't turn out so well. But you know to the Eintracht. That is my prediction. So uh, that being said, uh, let's kick it over to segment two, where we're going to be talking with Armin Kratz. So uh, stay with and stay tuned. This time around, we're doing a little bit of a special interview here. Uh, this gentleman happens to work for the Eintracht, helping the Eintracht uh, create its academy and uh, in the United States. I'd like to welcome a former player also for the Eintracht back in the, the heyday of the 80s. It is Armin Kratz. Armin, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for setting aside some time to talk to us. Thanks for having me there. It's the first time ever that I do a podcast, and that, that's in the U.S. It's awesome. <laughs> well, we're, <laughs> we're more than happy to welcome you in. Um, kind of giving some of the folks uh, who might not be aware of your role uh, with the Eintracht, uh, can you kind of walk us through uh, what Eintracht has you doing in the United States for the club? Oh yeah, that's that's the very end of my um, many years with Eintracht Frankfurt. But um, since uh, about one and a half years, I, I switched uh, the department. Uh, before that, I was a long-time academy director in, the, in our youth program, um, and um, we decided to to uh, try something new. And uh, same time, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt starts their, um, their international marketing, international communication. Uh, much more intensive than, than maybe before. And they were looking for someone um, who can who can work in and, uh, in the USA for Eintracht Frankfurt. So um, I, I really was glad to have, have this offer. And um, <clears throat> after 25 years of being an employee with Eintracht Frankfurt to start something new is, is great. And I like the US and uh, I'm very often here. And um, uh, I traveled with my teams with the academy over here and going here to vacation with my family. So um, I like it a lot. And so uh, as I started a year ago, uh, we opened the office in, in New York um, in January. And about six weeks later, everything was closed regarding international relations. Um, so there was a difficult start and um, about for a year, we couldn't do much because you know it was a travel ban from Europe. There was it was not not possible to um, to find partners to do something with us together, and that starts right now. So this year, and my role will be um, to find partners, to find spots where we can where we can um, act as Eintracht Frankfurt, knowing that we are not one of the five biggest clubs. We are one of the best clubs, like you mentioned. Do you no question about that? But we are not <laughs> one of the biggest clubs in the world. Um, just, you know, you know the names like Madrid or Liverpool or whatever. Um, so we have to maybe have to find a different approach uh, uh, in the US to to um, grow our reach here, to reach our fans that we have, to grow the number of our fans. And we tried it on on uh, uh, with different um, approaches, um, for example, here in Dallas, um, the Dallas Cup just finished yesterday, which is um, one of, or if not the most pre prestigious um, youth tournament in the U.S. 
Um, we took part there with our youth teams uh, since 2004 every year. Um, this year it was without international teams. Usually it's with, a, with teams from more than 25 countries every year. And this year without um, international teams, but they still made it with over 200 teams, a girls tournament as well. And we are now, uh, as I understand, but a partner of uh, the Dallas Cup. We will announce that later. Maybe you have to talk <laughs> uh, with Jackie about it. But um, we will go in a partnership with Dallas Cup, and we will find partners on uh, um, club partners um, in the U.S. to maybe build up an academy together with a partner. Um, we will do soccer camps this summer um, in different states. For example, uh, in uh, Nash in Tennessee, in uh, Wisconsin, uh, maybe in Georgia, um, and we do in May. We will do a colleague and, and myself um, will do a coaches education for different clubs, virtual, online. Um, so, like you see, that we are doing a lot of different things and uh, try to approach uh, the, the American Eintracht Frankfurt fan on, on different ways with different ways. Excellent. Yeah, because one thing uh, I look forward to is more of a partnership uh, with Eintracht with uh, our American-based academies that are place, which majority uh, are actually connected with Major League Soccer teams. So here's hoping that uh, that those kind of partnerships can lead to, you know, uh, perhaps uh, one or two Americans or Canadians, you know, because uh, you, ne yeah. you never know if <laughs> you never know if uh, one of the big Canadian clubs would uh, get involved with the Eintracht. And then, hey, you, ne that next future international can be wearing the Eintracht colors as many former uh, American international uh, one American international still does and uh, one or two uh, yeah two uh, Canadian internationals that I can come up with offhand have also done as well so here's hoping uh, a greater relationship between uh, the North American continent and uh, Eintracht here's, uh, yeah. but, this is not, but this is not our first goal to, to find talents our mm -hmm. first goal is to grow our reach here to grow our fan base in, in the US and of course, uh, if I see a highly talented player, I, I don't go blind uh, over the soccer fields, but that is difficult to find. Um, as you may know, it is not allowed to sign American players or Canadian players uh, under the age of 18. Correct. Before um, they turn 18. And so um, starting with 18, it is very difficult because he then needs a professional contract. He must be that good, really that good, that is... And these and these players, everybody knows them, so it's easy, right. it's not easy to get them for us. Mason Judge, you mentioned, maybe it's uh, it's an American player who plays for our under-19 team. Mm -hmm. um, he could play with us because his father is, is British and he has a British passport as well. Yeah. So that was his possibility to come to Europe. I think uh, there's another player as well on the U19s. In addition to Mason Judge, I think he's a massive uh, uh, Bosnian as well. Right. Uh, Mehevich, if I'm Me probably butchering. Mehevich. All right. Yeah, that's, Mal, Mal, uh, that's a that's a that's but, a big name to wrap your. He he's from Stuttgart, but he's originally from Stuttgart. Uh, we, we signed him from Stuttgart, uh, Kicker Stuttgart. Uh, oh. He just had. We, we didn't know that he even has an American passport when he signed him. So uh, he signed him because he was good. <laughs> <laughs> good. That that is exciting. Uh, is um, that being said, you know, this Stuttgart-born uh, guy coming from Kickers, is he? Uh, 
is he get is his American passport that he can't qualify for? Is that through one of his parents or one of his grandparents? Well, to be honest, I don't know. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I don't know which one. I don't know. No. More, no some more digging on our part. We'll we'll get to work yeah. on that. <laughs> but uh, something that um, you were mentioning kind of uh, before we started uh, this interview, uh, going to multiple cities uh, in the United States. One of your next stops is uh, Madison. One of your next stops is Madison, Wisconsin. There happens to be a lower uh, league level side that is there that is actually uh, hosted uh, pretty friendly with a Bundesliga club. I'm talking about Ford Madison. What's the what's some of the things that um, some clubs in the United States are doing that is exciting uh, to Eintracht Frankfurt that we want to build a relationship with? Um. Forward is a very young club. They were founded, I think, in 2018. Mm-hmm. Had uh, 18 and 19, oh, no, 19 and 20 season, and um, so it's a very young club. Very, is it right? Innovative. Yes, very innovative. much with the Flamingo logo as well. <laughs> yeah, they, they, you know, they, they ask the fans, the supporters, uh, what kind of logo, what kind of colors, how will be. How, look, how will the jersey look next season? Um, so they are very, very um, fast, very quick, very, very modern. Um, our our international communi- communications likes them a lot, I guess. Uh, I think they, their their values are about the same like ours. They're very liberal um, and very tolerant. Is that right? Tolerant. Yes. Yeah. So, excuse me. Sometimes uh, I need the words, the verbs. Um, so uh, that fits very well, and uh, the people um, there are very friendly and very quick. And I'm really looking forward uh, to go there tomorrow. Uh, on Wednesday, we go to Chicago with them. They have a, a preseason friendly there against the Chicago Fire. Um, oh, nice. Uh, without uh, attendance, but uh, they managed to to get in and, and watch the game. So uh, I will be. I'm very. In, um, I'm very. Uh, thrilled to to see the quality of play uh to see the level of that team as well yeah they're one of the teams that uh their social media presence is quite large within the united states and i think uh with just the name itself kind of lends to the kind of mindset that i think that some american that non-american all american clubs have but i think is very much more that idealistic uh, mindset that uh, american soccer fans are able to kind of uh come together around a couple others that uh come to mind uh, uh detroit city fc is another one uh, that is a lower level. Orlando, uh, excuse me, not Orlando. Uh, Oakland Roots is another that also kind of, I would like to say, have that uh, positive thinking that uh, that kind of open soccer for all kind of mentality and something that I think is I very much, uh, you know, the all welcoming character that Eintracht is as well. Yeah, and we were looking for for things like that. We don't want the average soccer club as a partner we want something special we are special and we want something special someone special as a partner of ours um we as, as if covid allows it um it's always a big if um we, we are planning to do uh two, two soccer camps with them in madison this year we want to we plan to do a statewide wisconsin statewide um tour in, in five different cities every day uh, camp for for young kids, um, 
to show our flag there and to show that we are are, are there and are present. And um, so I really look forward to to work with them together this summer. Yeah, it's uh, there's so much that can be done in the United States, you know, just from a grassroots level. It's uh, quite intense when you look at. I think it also comes into the fact when you have a country that is just so big, there's just so much potential there, indeed. Yeah. Um, going kind of going, I, I wanted to kind of get a little start on uh, your own career because we kind of mentioned it's like, oh, yes, uh, we're just talking about the end of the kind of the most recent uh, uh, relationship that is with the Eintracht. Um, But digging up a little bit on uh, your time, you know, in connection with the club, it stems back from uh, the early 80s, a time that uh, Eintracht uh, time post uh, Europa Pokal win in 1980 uh, was I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about your time with the club when uh, you were a pl- uh, defender playing for the Eintracht who came out through the academy. Yeah, I joined Eintracht in 1980. Um, by the way, my first, uh, I signed for the summer in, in July um, and we had the UEFA Pokal uh, final at that time uh, against Mönchengladbach and I was a ball boy in that game, so that was my started my career with uh, with Eintracht Frankfurt when I was 15. So I played uh, three years in the youth, under 17 to under 19s, and uh, in the 17s we were uh, twice runner up to the final of the German Championship. We lost that unfortunately, and uh, in the 19s we won the German Championship uh, in the final against Cologne, and then uh, I went to the amateur team and. Um, played amateur and uh, after a couple of games, six or seven games, um, Branko Savage, the, the, the coach at that time, uh, called me up and um, he had two or three injured players. The, the Rossers at that time, uh, if you see the pictures of the, the team pictures, maybe 18 to 20 players. And if you have two or three injuries, you need help somewhere from. And so they looked at the amateur team and I was there and I played and um, he threw me in in the first game and I played against uh, Rudy Feller at that time. And uh, from there on I was in the team and starting for more than one and a half years every game, still completing my school uh, at that time. So I was one and a half years left in, in high school and I played already Bundesliga on the weekends. It was uh, pretty difficult. Um, so I played until 88 with Eintracht Frankfurt. And came back 96 as a youth coach, uh, under 19 youth coach. Uh, did that for four and a half years. Uh, then they um, moved me up to an as, as an assistant coach. They fired at that time. Uh, Felix Magat was fired, and uh, Rolf Doman took over, and I was his assistant coach and stayed for one and a half years as assistant coach. Coached some games, even some games as a head coach in the second Bundesliga. I was for eight or nine games. I don't remember. Um, head coach of the team and then went back to the academy and was there for another 16 years in the academy um, and the last 10 years out of these 16 years I was academy director gotcha, so gosh. this January I had 25th my 25th anniversary anniversary without the playing years just as in um, so it's a pretty long time with Eintracht and um, I'm, I'm very I'm very fortunate um, to uh, you know, I'm born in Frankfurt. Um, all, Eintracht always was my club, and uh, I was able to play there. And I'm working for them since since a long time, and uh, I'm really happy with that situation. I want to kind of go back to one of the uh, 
I would say one of the more kind of you might say it was a trying time, but uh, the 83-84 season, you know, Eintracht ended up finishing in 16th place, you know. But hey, at least we were above kickers by uh, eight points, and uh, we ended up going to the relegation playoff. Eintracht coming away with a 6-1 aggregate victory uh, over Duisburg in that time. Uh, you were actually in the. Uh, you were actually in the lineup for both of those matches. What um, I kind of wanted to link this to the most recent relegation playoff survival by the Eintracht, which has led to a lot of success for the club. What do you see a connection between uh, that relegation survival that Eintracht had in the 83-84 season that led to uh, you know then the Pokal victory in '88 and then just you know the Eintracht returning to prominence in the late 80s, early 90s after kind of finishing more, you know, in the bottom half of the table uh, during a majority of the 80s? Um, I never thought about it, but um, there are parallel parallels. Um, yeah. Um, it was, uh, at that time, the relegation was uh, was not so tough for us because we were very young players. Uh, Half of the team came out of their own youth program, out of their own uh, academy. We have been two or three times German champions in the early 80s with our under-19. So we had good talent there. The, the club didn't have any money. They have to, had to sell all the, the big players like uh, Bruno Petzai, Nachtwey, Pumkuncha, um, and they lost a lot of players. And But that was our chance to come in. Um, so without that, we, we may have... I would have not played uh, without um, those circumstances. Um, so when we went to the relegation game, the young players, they didn't have to lose anything because, you know, we were 19, 20, 21. We don't have um, big loans on the bank. We did have, we did, um, have no families, no children, nothing. Other players uh, in our team, older players, I mean, they were really, really afraid. And that's a lot of pressure, a relegation game like that. We kind of enjoyed it, the young players. And uh, had a had a good performance there, and um, and therefrom we we lifted the level of the club a little bit to an to an average Bundesliga team at least, and in my time, and later on um, they almost have been would have been uh, German champions in the early early 90s. Uh, it's a parallel to the last uh, four or five years when we avoided relegation in Nuremberg uh, by by one goal only, and since then it's a it's an unbelievable success story that. Freddie and his team put put on the, uh, on, the on the pitch. Um, it is uh, sheer, yeah, it's unbelievable. It, if it finishes this year with a with a qualification for the Champions League, it's it's a little miracle, a little wonder. Freddie may Freddie may say it's 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 just hard and good work, but uh, nobody could imagine that uh, two or three years ago. I can totally agree. Uh, as a, as someone who became a fan during the Bruchhagen uh, days. And who can say that when they first can admit when they first became a fan, it was post the uh, 06 final uh, versus München. You know, hey, at least we got to the semifinals the very next year, and I got to watch a tiny bit of that. But I missed out on the the fun relegation, and then the yo-yo, uh, the elevator days, and uh, my my fandom. I mean, I think this is. I mean, this is 
something that I always dreamed that the Eintracht will be uh, in the you know chasing for Europe every season, playing with great players, playing with a style that is something that you can say, yeah, that's my club, and uh, and everyone else can just be like, wow, what a great team to follow. Um, for kind of switching to uh, where the team is currently. Um, with the, you know, we had two Pokal finals and the semifinal of your uh, Europa League and now round 16 in Champions League qualification. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit of an optimist when I say that in theory, if everything came together, that we could start, you know, having that one-off year where we could challenge Bayern for the big, uh, the big salad plate at the Meisterschale. Where do you think? Where do you think, with the way that the club is moving uh, and progressing, where do you think uh, the peak is for this club? I mean, and I know that you're not just an employee for the club, but you're also a fan. Um, yeah, but we to be realistic, <laughs> to be a reali- it's difficult to be a re- realistic fan. Um, I think if we would reach a Champions League qualification, um, I'm with Adi Hütter, our coach. He says that it's like a championship for us. Um, I think it's uh, it is not uh, realistic to say we will, uh, you know, we we are challenging Bayern Munich. But you see, as as Leipzig the, um, is showing it, it is possible to 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 play a better role in the Bundesliga. I think. Our chances this year, if we qualify for the Champions League, which would really help us um, to forget this um, um, disastrous COVID year without spectators, losing much money as a club, and that would help us a lot and would separate us from many other clubs in the Bundesliga, just financially, which give us the possibility to start in a better future even. Uh, so um, our role, I think our role could be the role that Mönchengladbach took um, the last uh, seven or eight years. Remember when we when we uh, went down to second division, they qualified via the relegation. And uh, the next years they played championship, Champions uh, League, they played Euro League all the time. Uh, they are a very solid club that every year plays um, uh, with around the uh, places four to six, four to seven. And that should that could be our role to be. Every year, a, a, a challenger for the European spots in, in, in soccer, um, knowing that clubs like Munich, Dortmund, uh, Wolfsburg, Leverkusen, Leipzig, and usually Schalke, but they are... Uh, <laughs> well, I said about them, the better. <laughs> not the next years. Uh, usually they have more possibilities than we do, but um, you never know. It's a big chance for us. We opened the door, the, the team and the coach opened the door wide. They have to walk through now. Indeed. I think one thing that I can take away from uh, the result at the weekend against uh, a team like Borussia Dortmund, who have spent large amounts of cash on bringing in, you know, good quality players, it shows that, you know, hard work, determination of a good core group can right. beat out you know, a team uh, of uh, big stars like, you know, this Erling Holland who is there now, who, uh, not going to lie, he looks an amazing <laughs> sort of player. He's awesome. He will be a, a, a really threat worldwide next year. But uh, I apologize. Uh, my emails before we, before the podcast, I said that we will win 3-1. to one. 
Um, <laughs> the glorious 3-1 victory, you may, may, may remember, but I, I thought that Kosic would have uh, made the 3-1. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I totally that. agree. I kept on thinking, oh, come on, dude, just a little bit more to the left, just a little bit more to the left, but... Uh, Hey, he, he, he got the assist that led to the match-winning goal. And yeah. uh, if, I, if of, I could yeah. have him right now, I would just wrap him up in a big old hug and say, Danke. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so uh, the one thing that I wanted to kind of uh, leave before we kind of wrap this up, um, with, I'm, with COVID, at least in the United States, coming to an end, do you see Eintracht in the summer of twenty uh, summer of twenty twenty two possibly coming to the United States um, at this present time, or do you think that um, we're, we'll be looking a little bit further down the line t- before uh, Eintracht will be coming back to these shorts? Because shoot, with a team playing in Europe, that's 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 an exciting offer for some clubs to want to host a club like Eintracht. Yeah, um, I don't know. We originally we were planning to come to the states this summer. It's not mm-hmm. obvious, not possible. Um, I don't know about next summer because there's another thing. The the World Cup is next winter, winter of Correct, November, yeah. December of 2022. So the summer break will not be that long. Um, no. But I don't know the exact dates now, and uh, I really, really hope that we uh, we could come. And I know that everybody wants that, but it's it's in these times it's difficult to plan 15 months ahead. That is true. That is true. Um, since you're in the United States, were you able to watch? Uh, were you able to watch the Eintracht match at the weekend via the the new broadcast partner in the United States? Yes, ESPN Plus? I watched it. What? I watched it with a friend of mine in uh, here in Dallas. All right, what did you... Okay, yeah, this is the first year of that uh, relationship with ESPN for a long time. Uh, they have the rights, have had the rights for many, many years uh, to the Day of Apocal. It's kind of how Eintracht fans were able to watch uh, the finals of uh-huh. 17 and 18. What, have, what did you make of uh, the production value offered by ESPN? I think it was, was, was good to watch. It was the only game I saw so far. Uh, I think it was okay. They had a... Uh, Two people were, were uh, how do you call it, commentating it, mm-hmm. and uh, they were pretty good. Uh, there was some 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 enough knowledge there. It's it's not uh, no even in Germany you have some games where you say hey, what is he telling about the game? I mean, it's, it's a, is he watching a different game than I do or I don't know. But that was uh, was 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 good to watch and good to follow and they did a good job. Yeah. Oh, very good. I'm glad that because uh, here in the United States, we found that ESPN has done a better job than the previous broadcast okay. holders. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just kind of the way the chips have fallen. But uh, with Eintracht uh, doing so well, we're going to have more. I'm pretty sure that the Eintracht is going to be featured more and more on the, the, the overall soccer coverage that ESPN provides, especially when we play in the Europa uh, for next season, uh, it's yet to be determined which one it is, folks. Just yet, we've got we've got still another seven matches to go, and of course we got to see where the chips fall there. But everything's looking good. Uh, before before we leave you, Armin, I uh, wanted to get a prediction. Where will the Ein, uh, two things? Uh, where will the Eintracht uh, finish in the Bundesliga uh, table this season? And uh, 
if there is uh, for fans once they return back to Frankfurt, if there is one uh, brand of Ebovoy to that they need to Frankfurt, which one would you recommend? Oh, you were interrupted a short moment, but it, you asked me about the which 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 uh, brand of apple wine? Apple wine? Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, we will finish fourth. So I say we, we will finish fourth at, at fourth place and we'll qualify for Champions League. That's my my personal opinion. Um, and I and I think everybody, you know, it doesn't matter what they tell. Right now, it's a situation that you, as, as a player, as a coach. They all can read the ranking and see we have seven points uh, before Dortmund um, and we, uh, we have seven games left. Um, we need to win three or four games out of these seven and um, that would be enough because they will not win all seven games, Dortmund. So we have a great situation there. On, on apple wine, uh, it's, it's <laughs> difficult. Um, uh, my favorite apple wine is the, is, is the, um, um, the, the restaurant or Appelwein Kneipe, we say, um, at the restaurant, to the Drei Stäubern. Nobody knows that. But it's, that is really a, a homemade uh, <laughs> apple wine uh, he has in the cellar, and uh, that is the best apple wine ever. And, but be careful. for If you never had it before, it may be uh, maybe not good for your stomach. Yeah. <laughs> well, just folks, if you do try and sample this brand, uh, just saying, you don't need more than one or two glasses. That you know, <laughs> of course you need more. But this may be a little, a little fun uh, story on the side. Uh, when I was born and I uh, got my uh, baptism, is it right? Mm-hmm. Baptism yep. um, in the church, and we went outside the church. Um, and my, my grandfather, who, who was from Frankfurt as well, he had a bamble, uh, the, the, the rug, with apple wine in it. And then uh, on the stairs of the church outside, he, he made a cross with apple wine on my uh, <laughs> forehead as well to be an original Frankfurter boob, meet a Frankfurt boy. Um, <laughs> I did the same with my two daughters. So uh, <laughs> um, it's a kind of little tradition um, with. Uh, trying to people and so, at least in our family. Yeah. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Yeah. Well, Armin, I'd like to say thank you for joining uh, Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. Thanks for giving uh, over some of your time in what is going to be obviously a busy uh, tour of the United States trying to get new partnerships for the Eintracht. Uh, many thanks to you for joining our podcast and uh, all the best. Uh, best wishes on uh, the American tour and uh, and uh, uh, hopefully you stay safe in the meantime. I hope so too, and thank you very much, Brian. Again, for having it was a lot of fun. And if anybody from your from our American followers or fans and supporters will will come to Frankfurt in the future, just contact me before that, and maybe I'm there, not in the US, so I can host you for at least one apple wine. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Sounds great. We'd like All to right. thank Armin Kratz for joining. Eintracht, uh, hey Eintracht Frankfurt for this special interview. And there you have it. Wonderful uh, interview with Armin Kratz. Uh, it was really awesome that he was able to take time out of his uh, United States tour to be able to speak with us about his role with the Eintracht and a few stories as well. Um, we kind of are going to wrap it up here. So, um, 
Here's hoping that uh, Eintracht is able to get three points against Augsburg, that uh, Wolfsburg drops points against Stuttgart, that Dortmund struggles with Union, and, you know, Leverkusen struggles with Bayern. But I think that that one might be a little easier <laughs> for us to anticipate. Because, you know, after all, it is that uh, match against Bayern that is always the tricky one for any team in the Bundesliga. Um, so in the real, in the uh, outside of the Eintracht realm, outside of the Bundesliga realm, attached to the Bundesliga, as uh, rumors of this UEFA, uh, not even UEFA, excuse me, this Euro Super League. So what we do know is that uh, twelve teams have come together with the idea of creating a Super League. Uh, so far. Uh, the only German team that's been contacted has said no. That is, of course, Bayern. Uh, the only, there's only been one uh, French team that's been contacted, Paris Saint-Germain, and they have said no. This is something that they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to play this uh, mid. They want to play this midweek. They want it to just kind of be around, you know, all the other matches that they're already playing, which is practically two matches a week in some areas, but the teams involved are uh, from England, there are six teams. Yeah, six. So that's both North London teams, Tottenham Hotspur and Arsenal FC. Both Manchester clubs, Manchester United, Manchester City. Uh, Liverpool is in there and uh, Chelsea is in there. And then you have three teams from Spain. So both Madrid's and Barcelona are a part of that. And the three Italian clubs from the north of Italy, uh, three of the seven sisters, uh, which is both Milan clubs, Inter and AC Milan, and uh, Juventus is in that, of course, as ringleader. So, yeah. Um, when we have a little bit more fuller of what I think we'll, this is going to be something fun to get into, but everything points to these guys as just money grubbing bastards. And no, I will not take those words back. So that's going to end it up uh, for uh, this episode. Hey, I would like to thank Alan Kratz for joining the podcast. And uh, in the meantime, everyone, stay safe, wear a mask, be smart, make wise decisions. If you have the chance to get vaccinated, as I will be uh, the day after Eintracht plays Augsburg, uh, please do so to try and get the rest of the world uh, back to normal and for us to go back to attending matches at the Vault Stadium. So ways to get into contact with the show is via email. That is heyeindrachtframeford at gmail.com, facebook.com slash hefpod for all the latest Eintracht news in the English language, and of course uh, at hefpod on Twitter. So from all of us here at Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, stay safe. Cheers! Hey, I'm Frankfurt, sha la 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 Hey, I'm Frankfurt, sha la 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 la